During Christmas break, my 16-year-old son and I walked into a gym to play a little pickleball. It was an open uh, mat. They had open matches. And so we uh, looked around and got a little excited because we realized we were the youngest people in the gym. And pride started to come in, like we're about to do some damage. And, uh, and so we started playing against these older people, average age, 65, 73 range. And I will have you know that they humbled us three games in a row. <laughs> I'd like to say we had excuses. We were wearing Crocs. Uh, none of that mattered. None of that mattered. We left with our tail between our legs. It took a couple of days to lick our wounds, but uh, I looked at my son. I said, son, we must go back. We can't go out like this. We're van pays. We're not quitters. And I prayed. We went back. Uh, I said, Bryce, look at everybody in, the, in this gym. I mean, they are past their prime. We are the youngest. We are in our pickleball prime. And I said, it doesn't matter who we play, we're, we're going to win. Let's, and I did my best to, like, hype them up and, and, and to get excited. And so our first match was against Ron and Donna. And so if you've never played pickleball before, you, you go to the, the net and then you introduce yourself, do a little pickleball paddle tap, and then you go back. And, and, and we were ready. I mean, we had stretched. We had prepared for this moment. Ron gave a decent serve to start things off. Bryce gave a wicked backhand back to Ron. And Ron was lucky just to get a paddle on the ball. But when he did, he lofted that pickleball up in the air. And I was at the... the the kitchen line up front. I didn't even wait for that ball to come down. I jumped up and with all my might spiked that ball down on our opponents. Now, I was not aiming for anybody. I was just trying to get the ball in the area. But against all odds, that ball was like a missile to Donna. It hit her right in the abdominal area. You could hear the smack, and she falls down to her knees and screams out in pain. And, uh, and everybody else just stopped in the entire gym. There was over 30 people there. They stopped their play, and they watched what was happening. Now, personally, I think Donna was overdoing it a little bit. I mean, it was so dramatic. I cannot exaggerate how dramatic Donna was be being as she was, like, on the floor. But, it, it, like, I couldn't take any chances. So I went over to Donna to check how she was doing. It was the only nice thing to do. And, and, and I asked her to forgive me. And while I was doing that and as I was going back to my side of the, the court, every eye was on me. It was like I committed mass genocide. Jesus' words are true, y'all. Those who want to be first will be last. And those who are last will be first. And I imagine this is what it's like for every area of our life. That if we try, if we strive because of pride or any impure motives, if we just try to be the first at all costs, there will be a cost, right? And some of us do that. And, and God wants us to learn a very important principle. He wants himself to be first, right? Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, we're not promised that we won't have any pain, trials, problems in, in life. But if we put God first, everything else is going to work out. Turn with me in your Bibles to the Old Testament, Exodus 
We're going to look at Exodus today, chapter 13. I want to share a message with you called God Must Be First. Will you say that with me? God must be first. If we don't learn finances from the Bible, where else are we going to learn to manage money? And this is going to be the most important message of the entire Kingdom Builder series. I'm so glad that you are here. Let's honor God's word starting in verse 1 of Exodus 13. It says, the Lord spoke to Moses, consecrate every firstborn male to me. The firstborn from every womb among the Israelites, both man and domestic animal, it is whose? It is mine. It is the Lord's. I wish I could man, emphasize how emphatic the Hebrew language is to the words, it is mine. It, it, it's sacred. It's holy. It's to be set apart. In fact, in verses 12 and 13, it says, Then you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb, that is, every firstborn that comes from an animal, which you have, the males shall be the Lord's. Notice, shall be and belong to the Lord. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with the lamb. The donkey was considered unclean. It says, and if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. In other words, if you don't do this, if you, if you don't bring back to the Lord by sacrifice or redeeming, then you're going to lose it anyway. It's the principle. If you will not give what belongs to the Lord, you're going to lose it anyway. And then it says, and all the firstborn of man, of man among your sons you shall redeem. So here's point number one. If you're taking notes, write this down. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. This principle, you're, you will discover, goes through the entire Bible. It's like a thread that weaves throughout all of the Bible. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. So let me give you a difference. I know this is in the Old Testament, so it may not seem as relevant to you, but how many of you know that 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says everything that happened in the Old Testament serves as an example for us that points to something. So what is the instruction? What is the example as we look at the firstborn being sacrificed? Now, if you were entrusted with a flock of animals, say they were sheep or lamb, he's saying the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. If it was an animal and it had any kind of blemish, there was a spot on it, if it was lame, or if it was an unclean animal like a donkey, then it must be redeemed by a clean animal. And so you may look at this and go, well, this is kind of a, a strange part of why God would command this. What is it about God's character that would, would cause him to ask for this to happen, for this commandment? And it is a principle. Again, it's pointing towards, what is it pointing towards? It's pointing towards Jesus. Right? It, it is the gospel, isn't it? Like, take, for example, the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So when you sin, are you clean or are you unclean? You're unclean. Now, Jesus, was he born clean or unclean? Clean, right? He never sinned. There was no sin in him. And God gave Jesus as his top, as his first. He gave, for God so loved the world that he gave his son, right? He gave his son, 
in hopes that we would give our lives to him, that we would surrender our lives to him. So God, in his generosity, gives his son Jesus to the world in hopes that we would give our lives to him. Now, notice he, he didn't wait for us to straighten up our lives or get our lives in order. The Bible says that, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Are you grateful that God so loved you that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross? And because of the blood that was spilled on Calvary is the only thing that can save you. You can't save yourself. It's the only thing that can forgive you, set you free, redeem you, reconcile you. It's through the blood of Jesus. Jesus paid that debt so we would not have to pay it. But I want you to look at it this way because it's a principle that when the first is brought to the Lord, the rest is blessed. You've discovered that. That's why you've prioritized coming to church, right? You come to church on Sunday, which is the first day of the week. And when you come to this house of prayer and give God his praise and you honor the Lord and you serve maybe with the talents that have been entrusted you with and and then you give to the Lord, you bring the Lord's tithe to him. What happens on that first day, when you honor the Lord on the first day, you've seen the rest of the week blessed. If you're abiding with the Lord, hopefully this is the beginning of the year and you've, you've, you have a plan of reading through the Bible. And at the very beginning of the day, you're abiding with the Lord. You're spending time in his presence in prayer, gratitude, worship, reading, studying the word of God, memorizing the word of God. When you do that at the very beginning of the day, what happens to you the rest of the day? Have you found yourself like your mind, your, your attitude is in the right place? You see God orchestrating things. You're more sensitive to his spirit. Why? Because you've honored the Lord with the first and the rest is blessed. And it's the same thing financially. When you bring back to the Lord what is first, he blesses the rest. Here's point number two. The first fruits must be offered. Now notice I'm... I'm using the word must be here because it's important for us to understand how to receive the blessings of God according to this principle. Exodus 23, 19 says, The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. You have two things, two things that can happen with the first fruits. You either bring them to the Lord or you steal them. You bring them to the Lord or you steal them. And it's the same thing with all of these first things. In fact, Malachi, he, he, says, he says, you have robbed me. How? In the tithe. It belongs to the Lord. You bring it to the Lord. Notice in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10, it says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. It's important to understand that this promise in Proverbs is not the law. This happens hundreds of years after the law. Now, let's take this back to the firstborn for a moment because I want to relate it to the first fruits. The order is important because it requires faith. Again, if you were entrusted with a flock, and your flock starts to reproduce, the Bible says to give the tenth, to bring the tenth to the Lord. And this is a, a tithe. It's a 10%. By the way, it's the same percentage God puts it. It's the same percentage for everyone, whether you have little or you have much. But it's not just the 10%. It's the first. 
He doesn't say, all right, wait for your animals to start reproducing, and when there's 10 offspring, then you can bring the 10th to me. It takes faith to believe that the very first one, imagine the excitement, the firstborn that is sacrificed or it's being redeemed before the Lord, the first matters. Now it takes faith because when payday comes, we're tempted to to give the first to the mortgage company or to, to pay for the car payment or because eggs cost an arm and a leg, we want to rush to HEB, right? Inflation is here. And then if we have enough, then we'll give it over to the Lord. But that's not what tithing is. That's not what this principle is. God will always be first. He is almighty. He is sovereign. Because of his preeminence, he is first, whether you make him first or not. He is king. He is Lord. He is master. He must be first. Now, we can give anytime we feel like it. We can give anytime God speaks. But we have to ask ourselves, Are we obeying the Lord according to this principle by bringing the first to him? So here's here's point number three. The tithe must be first. The tithe must be first. Leviticus chapter 27 verse 30 says, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the whose? It's the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. It is to be set apart for the Lord. It's the same language, whether it be the firstborn, the first fruits, or the tithe. Same language, same book. It's the same. Now, people want to say to me when you, when you hear this or read this, but Pastor, that's, that's Old Testament. That's, that's the law. I'm not under the law anymore. I'm under grace, so I'm no longer required to tithe. Maybe you've heard that before. Well, the first thing I want you to realize is that tithing, it was a principle, it was a command that was given years before the law. Jacob tithed 400 years before the law. Abraham tithed, he brought the Lord's tithe to Melchizedek, a priest, 500 years before the law. You can go back even earlier than that. Cain and Abel, remember, God required required for them to bring the very first. And it was Cain that brought the leftovers And Abel, who brought the very first fruits, and he honored the Lord. And God was pleased with Abel's offering, but not with Cain's. And you can even go before that in the Garden of Eden, right? There were certain things that belonged to the Lord. God was trying to teach stewardship and management. He was saying, hey, not everything belongs to you. I want you to be dependent upon me. So you can eat from every single tree except for one, right? There's one tree that belongs to me. Don't eat of this. So he's, he's trying to put stewardship into his people. Then years after the law, Jesus said himself in Matthew 23, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law, you Pharisees, Hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the most important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Then Jesus makes this statement. He says, you should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Okay, can I say something? This verse alone is enough for me to be motivated to tithe. If Jesus... The one who saved me, who set me free, forgave me, said I ought to tithe, that I should tithe, then this is enough for me to want to do it because Jesus said it. But it's amazing to me that there's 
so many that would say, well, I'm under the law. What is the law? Well, think when the law was given, the Ten Commandments. Just because you're no longer under the law, does that mean these, these commandments are no longer relevant or valid? Take, for example, honor your father and mother. Do you say, well, I'm under grace now. I no longer have to honor my mother and father. Or how about thou shalt not commit murder? Does that mean it no longer applies to you? Jesus said this, do you not know that the righteousness of grace exceeds the righteousness of the law? Jesus was both full of grace and truth. And so he says, you've heard it say, you should not murder. Where did they hear that from? The law. But Jesus said, hey, if you hate your brother, it's like you've committed murder in your heart. You should not commit. You've heard it say, don't commit adultery. Where did you hear that from? The law. But what did Jesus say? He exceeds it. He says, if you look at a woman with lust in your eyes, you've committed adultery in your heart. So he says it's like the beginning. It's like that this is just the 10% that belongs to the Lord that, that you should tithe. So when people say, hey, pastor, I, I don't, I, I'm under grace now. I'm not under the law. I say, praise God. That means you're giving beyond 10%. How generous are you? Because grace always goes further than the law, right? And so we, we tithe. How much do we tithe? We tithe 10% of the income trusted to us. And so it, it is the beginning. It's like the, I like to think of generosity a lot like riding a bike. Uh, now, I know it's, bike riding is not for everybody, but you remember riding a bike when you were a kid? When you started to learn how to ride a bike, you felt free. You could go anywhere. You, had, you got to go to places where your legs couldn't take you. And I, I ride a bike three, four days a week to try to stay in shape. But there's so many benefits, not just physical or mental. It's just a lot of fun. But when you start riding a bike, it can be intimidating. And that's why they invented something very important to help you get started on riding a bike. And what was that invention? Training wheels, right? Now, the training wheels aren't always meant to be there, but it's to help you get started. It's to help you as a, as a guideline. And that's what tithing is like. It's like to help you get started. It's not the end, but it's the beginning. It's to help cultivate a dependence upon the Lord, to cultivate generosity in your life. And once you are becoming more generous, man, those, those training wheels can come off and, and you can do it even go above and beyond that. My 16-year-old my son who's with us right now several months ago got a job at Freebirds. She started making burritos. And we've been talking a lot about tithing. It's important. I, I, he knows I can't force him to tithe, but we've had conversation. He knows that for generations his great-grandfather trusted the Lord with, with the tithe. And his grandparents, my parents, I, that, I saw it modeled for me for many years while I was growing up. My dad was bivocational, and he would always trust the Lord with the with the tithe, and when I got my first job and the second job at Popeye's Chicken on the northeast side of town, it was an envelope for the tithe, an envelope to save, and then I could spend the rest. 
But it was, this was a generational family tradition that we're honoring the Lord. And I said, Bryce, you're the, you're the, you're the fourth in line now. I can't force you, but this is what God's word says. And, and God is true to his word, and he's been true to our family for generations. That he has always taken care of us. He's always blessed us as, we, as we've been obedient and bringing the Lord's tithe back to him. So that's opened up a lot of great questions that my son has asked. One of the first questions he asked, he said, well, do you just tithe off of the income? Like what about birthday money that comes in? I said, son, that's up to you. Uh, but when the tithe, it's just related to wages, to income, 10%. And he said, well, we've visited. The second question was we visited a lot of our churches and our GSC network. He's been on the west side and he's been at different places. And he said, I, some of our churches seem like they would need more income and need more money. Can I tithe over to some of those churches, bring the tithe there? I said, well, the Bible says to bring the tithe to the storehouse. It's where you worship. It's where your church home is. This is where you come on Wednesday nights with your friends and student ministry. And, and this is a, the place where this is your home. This is your family. So the, the Lord says bring the tithe to the storehouse. So if you were here today and you're a guest, maybe you've traveled from out of town and you have another church home and you're tempted to to want to give the Lord's tithe here, I would say please do not. Bring the tithe to the place where it's your home, the storehouse, where your kids are being ministered to and and where your your church home is. And the Lord says when you do this, he opens up heavens. That's the the, the promise is that he will bless, that he rebukes the devourer. We'll give you another example. Let's say you have a job as a landscaper, all right? And you had a job to put in some shrubs, plant some trees, some flowers. You had some employees. There were some expenses. But after it was all done, you were given a paycheck and rewards for your work. And after you paid all of your expenses, let's say you cleared, you profited $1,000, all right? So of those $1,000, let's say you broke it up into 10 $100 bills. How much of this belongs to God? <laughs> All of it. That's true. The earth is the Lord's and those that dwell therein. Let's acknowledge that God does own everything, right? But, but what is 10%? What is, the tithe? what is a tithe? How much is it? $100. 10%, right? 10%. Now, which one is the tithe? Which one is the tithe? The first is because you're listening to this message, right? How do you know which one is the first? It's the first one that leaves your hand. So how does this apply? Most of you get paid on that first and third week. Where does the first 10% go? If it's going to the mortgage company, then the mortgage company is getting the tithe. If it's going to the grocery store or the utility, the Lord says that the tithe is not just first, it's the, it's the first 10%. So it's saying, God, thank you for blessing me. And you just asked for 10%. 10% belongs to you. And so I don't, in the Bible, it's never, it never says the tithe must be given. It's always bring it, bring it to the Lord. Because you can't give what, is already yours, right? Like this is the Lord's. And so the 10% is the first saying, God, I'm going to honor you with the very first 10%, this tithe, it belongs to the Lord. 
Some of you have maybe even struggled with this and you've, you've, you've wondered why you've struggled financially is because you're trying to do it all on your own. The Bible says in Malachi, it says, this is why you're cursed because you're not tithing. You're not. So I want to encourage you to test God. Like test God, see if he's not true to his promise and his word that he will bless the 90% than you trying to figure it out all on your own with the 100%. It's the only place in scripture where God says, test me in this. It's like, I dare you, I challenge you. See if I'm not true to my word. See if you're not more dependent upon me. See if I don't cultivate generosity in your life. See if you don't grow spiritually. See if I don't put my hand of favor on your marriage, on your family, on your finances, and on your health. See if I don't rebuke the devourer and protect you. That's what God's word is true. So when you came through this room, you were handed a card. Would you mind taking that out? And I want, to con- you to, I want you to consider taking the 90-day tithe challenge. 90-day challenge. We've done this a few times in the history of our church. And I've seen so much wonderful fruit and seen it in people's lives as a result of putting God to the test. So here's how it works. You fill out this card as a commitment to the Lord saying, all right, I'm going to try it out. For 90 days, I'm going to see if this doesn't work. And I'm going to give 10%, the first 10% to the Lord. And at the end of 90 days, you say, hey, it didn't work for me for whatever reason. No questions. We won't have a meeting. You just request all the money back. So it's 100% guaranteed all the money will go back to you. I promise you that that if you test test God to his word, he will be true to you. So this is what I'd like for everybody. I know we have a lot of people in here that do tithe. And so I'm going to ask you to join me here at the beginning of the year to recommit to the Lord, saying, here for the Lord. I want you to fill out this card and say, because this is what we do. Our team wants to pray for you. And we're going to pray for you on Tuesday. We're going to have these cards in our hands. And we're going to call out to the Lord that your faith will increase, that God will bless you as we honor the Lord. Can you imagine what it would look like if our church was honoring the Lord in every area of our life? And there's some areas that you may that is not just, you may be tithing, but there's another area in your life that God's not first, and the Holy Spirit wants to convict you. He wants to lead you to put it this area of your life, whatever it is. So let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for your provision, for your son Jesus. Pray that we, you would lead us to this truth in your word that you must always be first. You're first whether we make you that or not. Lord, I pray for whatever the, whatever the areas in our life that we're not yielding to you or trusting you, that we, would, that we would do that in love. In fact, would you just ask the Holy Spirit, say, Holy Spirit, what is the area of my life that, I'm not, that you're not first in? Could be your time. Could be a talent. Could be something secret that you're just holding on to in private. Holy Spirit, I pray that we would be doers of the word, that we would be obedient, that we would trust you. If it is the area of finances, I pray that you would calm any fears or doubts, that you would give peace, that you would give faith to be able to trust and obey those who are making this commitment. In Jesus' name, amen.